Listen to better music and listen to music better. Hello, I'm John J. Thompson of True Tunes, and since I was a kid, I have been captivated by the idea that art, creativity, and for me, music especially, is an essentially spiritual experience. I decided, probably at the first Cornerstone Music Festival in 1984, that there was no such thing as secular music. It simply didn't exist. All music was spiritual in one way or another. The challenge, as I understood it, was to discern which music was good, was true, and was drawing me towards something beautiful, deep, and eternal, and which music was lying to me, distracting me, or selling me something I could not afford. I needed music that was going to challenge me, inspire me, and form me, and I found it with some help in some unlikely places. The version of True Tunes that I started back in the 80s was built on the idea that the best stuff would probably not be found at the top of the pop charts or on the racks at the local religious bookstore. We discovered a world of spirit-haunted rock, folk, pop, rap, metal, and alternative music being produced by artists around the world, and we curated it for a small, devoted community of diverse seekers. Just as a few key mentors had done for me, I wanted to welcome any who were interested into this pursuit of music and art that resonated at the deepest level of our being. It seemed that we struck a nerve. People made pilgrimages from far and wide to the ragged little record store we ran outside of Chicago, or to the booth or stages we curated at the Cornerstone Festival. Our print magazine eventually found its way to over 40 countries and had a circulation of over 100,000 readers. We even had a concert venue for a few years where street level music was definitely our love language. Like so many things that got big in the 90s, True Tunes eventually faltered. The company was sold and the mission was lost. I found a full-time role for several years at the Cornerstone Festival, wrote more, worked with many bands, learned a ton, often the hard way, and then found myself working inside the largest music company in the world for almost a decade. And now, 30-some years into this long, strange trip, I'm more excited about music and spirit and soul than I ever have been. So, after a 20-year break, True Tunes is back. The tools are different this time. There's no store, no venue, and no sponsored stages at a major festival. What we have now are lots of stories to tell about lessons learned, visions caught, questions articulated, and community embraced. We're still digging for the good stuff. And whether you were part of the journey with us the first time around, or you're brand new to this conversation, if you're ready to dive into the deep end of the musical pool, where the sounds resonate in ways that defy our labels, then this conversation is for you. And conversation itself is its own art form. Join us as we converse with musicians, songwriters, producers, and music industry leaders, from legends and obscure geniuses of the past to some of the freshest new voices emerging today. Some examples of the voices you've heard so far include Buddy Miller. And I try really, really hard to listen. I mean, that's the job of a producer, whatever you call it, or a musician, or a husband, or anything. Yeah. It's the real job is to listen. Amy Grant. When I'm in the bottom of my closet, cleaning out things, doing the KonMari method, you know, <laughs> does this bring me joy? <laughs> or do I give it away? What I sing are, old, are hymns. You know, to me, that is a time that I return to Steve Taylor. We don't talk a lot about um, kind of uh, mainstream versus faith-based filmmaking, mostly because we uh, 
are, I guess in some ways we're trying to act like it doesn't exist. <laughs> um, it's a hard needle to thread. Charlie Peacock. What's sustainable are uh, ideas that live across the centuries. It's not sustainable to, to come up with a great guitar riff or, you know, or to gain facility on an instrument or to write 13 really good songs. You know, all those things can be good in and of themselves, but they're not what will sustain you. Ian Fitchuk. I think maybe it's about getting outside of yourself and not seeing or looking for or where do I fit into this, but just what is this that I'm hearing? A lot of times we tend to say, like, how does this relate to me? But I think that if you can get rid of that and say, what is this? And let's examine it. Then it opens your mind up to another part of yourself that you didn't realize that you have. Natalie Bergman. I found that writing this album was a very healing process. And it allowed me to examine my sorrow. And through it, I... I found hope, and that's what I aim to inspire in those who listen to this this record. The choir. Darius always talks about it from the stage, about we want to extend mercy to other people because we want people to extend mercy to us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that kind of goes along with that theme, you know, um, when the sun shines bright, illuminating your scars, you're even more wondrous in my eyes, you know, to see, because we want other people to, to, to see that in us. I want someone to see my goodness. Kevin Max. The big thing is, is to really find out what you love about music, because it's harder, in my opinion, to create when you're, you're not really sure about who you are. And I feel like it takes a while to get there. It's a journey. So it's, I also tell people, you're not going to nail it on the first try. And it's going to take a few. It's going to take a few projects, probably, until you really know what you want to do. So you know, I'm all about you know writing as much as you possibly can. Gunger. I think that the power of what a musician does, in some way, is it's different than almost everything else in society. Everything else in society, almost like if you're selling a product. You're taking, you're doing medicine. There's always something else. Like we're trying to get to something else. Music has nothing to do with that. Music is about this moment. Liz Weiss. Something has shifted in me where I'm so tired of people saying, well, it'll, justice will take place when Jesus comes back, or we can enjoy that thing when we're in heaven, or we can truly rest when we're in heaven. And I'm like, I'm so exhausted. I would rather die now and get that rest than wait until I'm 80 years old, because that sounds awful. I have to wait. And it doesn't even, it's not even the gospel. Jesus healing people Jesus engaging with people, he was showing that the kingdom is now. Sandra McCracken. There is space in all traditions, all Christian traditions for lament, and that we would, um, I think it's good to, to make more of that, you know, make more songs that give us um, time and that value lament. Where is this in the church? Like, where is this level of emotional honesty? Taylor Lenhart. 
people when they think of artists or songwriters, sometimes I think they think it's all about self-expression. It's all about what do I have to say to the world? Actually, it's not just what do I want to say and now I'm saying it. It's what I want to jump into a conversation that's already happening. So, so much of it is listening to what's already, like who's around you, what's being said, and then jumping into that conversation. Jimmy Abeck. While I was in LA, we spent that first night on the beach. And the next morning, there are 10,000 people on the beach, right? So, and in that group of people were a group of young, long-haired hippies. We all had long hair. Mm. We were clearly their uh, target. And we got witness to that set something in course, set something in motion where I really felt like I met Jesus himself in that in that little moment and from there on man I got baptized with the Holy Spirit maybe less than a year later I mean I was on a whole new trajectory from that point forward I got saved right smack in the middle of the Jesus movement from there on out I saw myself as a guitar player and began to lead worship and do all the things that a guitar player who's also a Jesus nut would do and so that led me to my association with my fellow Sacramentans. And rare archive interviews with Larry Norman. Artists have a way of distilling concerns into a focused viewpoint. So in my music, I address a lot of those issues. I think that that's why it had an effective result on the hearts of non-Christians. Regardless of how Christians feared it at the beginning or now think they love it, it wasn't for them, it was never for Christians, it was for non-Christians. It's medicine for people who are sick. And Rich Mullins. Any good artist is going to have something that is really human in their work. And I'm not all hung up about being an artist because I'm kind of going, gee, it's hard to think of yourself as an artist when your stuff is being sold in Christian bookstores. But I, I kind of go, there was a time when I was pretentious enough to go, well, my art is blah, 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 or you know, I'm trying to do this or I'm trying to do that, and hung out with people who were into all that. and. You know, now I look back on it and I think, wow, what a bunch of pretentious little snobs we all were. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. We also speak with Daniel Smith, the cast of the Electric Jesus film, Mark Bird, Eddie DeGarmo, Michael McDermott, Glenn Kaiser, and many more. We also crank up our trusty jukebox and listen carefully to some amazing music along the way. And we're proud to be partnering with VisionTrust.org to support exceptional local heroes to reach, equip, and transform thousands of children's lives around the world. So, get yourself something to drink, pull up a chair, and make yourself comfortable, or maybe get your favorite headphones and head outside for a nice walk with us as we listen to better music and listen to music better on the True Tunes Podcast. Thank you.